Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Moore and Connolly Football Show. Thank you so much for joining us once again. My name is Tom Moore, your humble host, and joining me as always is my good chum, the hero, the legend. He's everywhere and nowhere. It's Ollie Connolly. Ollie, how you doing, mate? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good, buddy. I'm good. We had our pilot show last week, and this is kind of the first proper show, I'm calling it, of the relaunched MCFS. Yeah, and I, I've heard from tons of people who cannot believe that you're back. I, from our first run of doing the MCFS, which I think was six years, I figured out, and we ended kind of doing it, what, every week four years ago, something like that? About that, yeah. In that time, we always say the thing about, you know, you met your wife, had a kid and all that stuff, and I say the lowly sports writer. <laughs> I made a ton of real-life friends through doing the MCFS. If you rattled through, I, w I would never do it on the show, but my top ten friends, like six of them, are from people who initially listened to the MCFS, one of whom's wedding I'm going to in a couple of weeks. And all these people, my phone was ablaze to discover the, the legend Tom Morris back in for a full season. Hey, mate, it's, it, it feels good. And this is the thing. It was a community, Ollie. It was a community. And if you're listening to this for the first time, you're giving us a chance. Thanks for joining us. This is about having fun as well as talking about football. That's what the MCFS FS is on Gridiron. It's Ollie Connolly and I. And Ollie, we have got some questions and listener interaction today to kind of cap off the show at the end from some serious old school MCFS back in the day Hall of Famers, my friend. So I think you're going to recognize some names when we get to questions later. I'm very excited because I've been swamped all day. I have not even properly gone through the running order. I have an alcoholic beverage to my right. I am ready to go and I cannot wait to see who's who's popped up from from uh, from under the undergrowth. <laughs> under the undergrowth. And just so everyone's aware, what we're going to talk about on the show is we're going to hit some big NFL news. We're going to weave in a little bit of alternative funny news to try and, you know, keep us all entertained because it's the end of the week. We are going to then hit some other items that we've got that we've been going for in our pilot episode. And we're going to carry that on. Some bit of numpty legend of the week. And then, Ollie, today, the big feature, we're looking at game shows this series on the MCFS. Every week playing a different NFL-themed game show. And this week... We're going to hit Family Fortunes, or if you're American, the Family Feud. Family Feud. Now, is this fast money, or is this, oh, the, the, the quick round at the end of the thing? Is this the general? I'm going, ge I'm going general, Ollie. General in terms of there's the top five, and oh, you've got to try and name the top five, okay? Very excited. And it's all NFL-themed, ladies and gentlemen, so you can play along at home, and that's part of the fun. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter, at Ollie Connolly, at the underscore Tommy underscore more. It's just seemed rather ridiculous, but I kind of got to stick with it now because I've got with it. If you want to send us questions or nonsense or comments or ideas for game shows that we should play, hit us up at mcfsquestions at gmail.com. That's where you can find us. Ollie, just a few thoughts before we get into the news this week. I've been um, I've been watching the Commonwealth Games, which if you're if you're not from the Commonwealth, it's a rather weird idea, but okay. Commonwealth, I find it peculiar. Yeah, um, they they were describing decathletes as if it by surprise as particularly svelte. They're professional athletes. I was listening to the commentary. They were going, oh, he's a particularly svelte decathlete. Like, he's a professional decathlete. Of course he is. Is the decathlon the one where you're also throwing things, though? Is there a javelin yes. involved in the decathlon? I believe there's a javelin involved. And there might even be a shot. I think it might be two um throwing involved there might be a shot put as well because they do yeah. shot put in the women's heptathlon don't they and did they steeple chase in the decathlon yes i think so, so i thought about the horses there. a quite wiry wide receiver level lean athlete with some upper body talk correct kind of maybe maybe a, a justin jefferson or a julio jones type would be a good decathlete Okay, okay, so they missed their calling. Yeah, it would be surprising if there was a, a should we say, large decathlete would be would be more breaking news, I think, than, than the smelt one. Yeah, probably. It's really interesting when you watch the Commonwealth Games or any event like that, the Olympics or whatever, you see the 5,000, 10,000 meter runners going around the track as the, I don't know, as the hammer throwers are just <laughs> warming up on the inner track and they roll past them. A hammer thrower could eat several 10,000 meter runners. A snarling, roided-up Russian just throwing a hammer. And, all, and also, Ollie, something else I wanted to share with you. I've come up with a great name for the condition that afflicts us all where you scroll through Netflix or any other streaming site and not being able to find anything that you watch. And you end up doing that for half an hour and giving it up. I've decided, I've decided because it afflicts me quite a lot, to call that 
Netflitis. <laughs> that is uh, that is how I spend every evening. Half Indeed. eight, nine o'clock. Indeed. Anyway, hell for it, Ollie. Let's get to the news. So the big NFL news story today is, well, and it has been all week, Ollie, is about Deshaun Watson. The suspension, which came down as six months, and the appeal, which has now been launched, which, Ollie, I don't really understand because the suspension was handed down by a judge. And my interpretation of these scenarios is that if there was a problem with that, it would be appealed by the person who was being suspended. But the appeal is, in fact, enacted by the NFL, who then, it's Roger Goodell's decision whether he's the one who hears the appeal. It all seems awfully backwards, Ollie. Yeah, they changed in the last CBA because of Goodell's overreach and things like Deflategate, some of the other incidents he was involved with, his lack of involvement in Ray Rice, and obviously the the issue in New Orleans before that in Bountygate, and people felt he went too far. The new CBA tried to hand things off to a disciplinary officer, is what the, the judge is. Um, paid for and selected individually, case by case, by the NFLPA and by the NFL, which would be, in this case, Roger Goodell. And that the NFL takes its findings to the disciplinary officer. They issue the discipline, but then within that CBA, there's a quirk there, and just nestled in the fine print, just nicely in there, that if the league appeals the decision, Roger Goodell will then decide the punishment. So for Watson, it was the six games, and then Goodell can say, hey, uh, hold up a second, I thought it should be a year or indefinite, which is what we may be looking at now. I will appeal this and it will either go to Goodell or he can have a designee. And this was basically created to give Roger Goodell some kind of breathing room and mostly with the public and the media so that he didn't have to have his hand on the knife if it was a decision that was thought of ill from the public, which this is one obviously thought ill by the public and he can now ride in on the chariot and say, I'm going to be the good guy and do a, a serious suspension and still give himself some breathing room by saying, well, I won't be the one who's like, you know, massively changing the rules on the fly. I'll have a designee who will do this for me. Now, do you think the designee will speak to his boss who is in charge <laughs> of the National Football League and who works for 32 owners when one of the biggest stars in the sport is accused and has been found guilty within the report of being a serial sexual predator? It, it seems bonkers to me, Ollie, and I know you've written a lot about this, and of course you can find all Ollie's thoughts online if you if you go via his Twitter at Ollie Conley. All your thoughts on there are very valid, Ollie, and you make some excellent points. It just, I don't understand how this has ended up being handed down as six months in the first place. And it's been handed, it's been handed down, Ollie, as well by a judge, not just some Mickey Mouse person. So there has to be some legal logic behind what she's done. And even I am clamoring, like everybody else is, to say it should be a year, it should be indefinite. But therefore, what has she based it on? I, I don't understand, well, Ollie. So she, we did a, I would encourage people, I had a roundtable discussion with a bunch of, of journalists on uh, Wednesday when the decision came down. We went really long on all the nuances and details of the different facets of this. You can find that earlier on, on the feed. Um, she basically said, this is an administrative error from the NFL, right? She goes line by line saying he did all these things. And we should bear in mind that she only heard five cases of the victims, not the reported 25 plus and the Texans settled 30 lawsuits. So there's 30. Mm. And then you can obviously deduce there will be more women who just have not come forward, right? So she only heard five of the cases and she only went forward with four, right? She found him guilty of every single thing in there. She called it the most egregious thing that has ever happened in the league, essentially. Um, but what she said was, it is an administrative error where you cannot suspend someone beyond precedent without notice. Meaning in the last CBA, you did not include in there anything to do with this and your precedent suggests when you go through something like ezekiel elliott that you have to keep along that same strand until you notify your league partners the nflpa that you're changing your disciplinary code now some of that makes sense and that uh, the, the journalists i had on on the wednesday show they kind of disagreed on some of that the 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 lawyer herself uses the word unprecedented but then cites precedent which is a <laughs> contradiction um so and we should bear in mind, too, the person that was signed off on so the disciplinary officer was a copyright lawyer. This was not a traditional criminal lawyer, right? Mm. So she goes very much by what is written in the legal documents in the CBA without necessarily taking into account the fact that this is the biggest star in the league. It's 30 women, that kind of thing. Um, so it's really what she did. And she said it in there in the report that she was essentially going after the NFL for saying you so mishandled cases against mistreatment of women over 15 years of God, Roger Goodell's run that you now cannot 
as I said, riding on a chariot and try and be the champion and push yourself into the public like you're doing a real public service because you've not notified the players that that's now what you're doing and it's written down in the CBA. Uh, you know, to me, it's a, it's, it's a, it's not a, a great ruling. She says in there he did all the things he's been accused of, and that it's six games is only because of Ezekiel Elliott, who was a guy who had a single charge. That's the precedent she's using. So, I, I think that it going now to an appeal it's one of those ones where you don't really want as a fan or as a, a media member covering this that guy to have that level of power it was a mess when he had that before but in this single case i think he, he has every right to, to bring the hammer down and certainly make it indefinite and particularly and i'm, I'm sorry for waffling so long but particularly when uh, the, the guy at the center of this who has been found guilty of this um, through the disciplinary officer has shown not a shred of remorse. She cites that in there as one of her major concerns. Mm. That he's not shown a shred of remorse. And then the Browns come out and say, well, he has shown remorse. Okay, then let's suspend him uh, at minimum until he starts to get his head around the fact that what he did was not only likely criminal, but uh, at minimum inappropriate and made people uncomfortable. And he's never once admitted that. He said he's done nothing wrong. He said he's never disrespected a woman. And until he at least admits that, um, which is not exactly a legal standard, then that he should be out of the league indefinitely. It's Trumpian, isn't it, in its behaviour almost? And it's I don't want to actually continue to rehash it, Ollie. You've shared your opinions. They're, they're out there on the other shows as well, and we just needed to punctuate it here. But it's that world that we live in in terms of you can create your own reality. And you can say, oh, I never mistreated women or I never disrespected women, even if you definitely did. I, and that scares me. And that's a world that we we all live in now. And that's, to me, Ollie, that's terrifying. And that's taking this out and extrapolating it to a, you know, a different topic. But just living in a world where people can make up their own reality and go, no, I didn't do that. It's bonkers. And, and this, you know, to push it forward, we now are in a situation where the Browns gave him that grotesque contract to try and inoculate him from any financial punishment. The, the punishment is different because she didn't issue a fine. She issued the games, the six games, and you get suspended your paycheck basically week, week to week. Um, and because of the way they structured that contract, it is such a minimal financial payment, even compared to what it would have been. You know, if he'd signed a traditional contract, maybe it would be about three and a half million. Instead, it's in the 300K range, and he's already made 43 million since he, as soon as he signed the, the contract with the Browns, they gave him 43 million basically. Now we're in this strange situation where the NFL is going to appeal us. We'll go through the exact same stuff we went through with Brady and Deflategate, right? The NFL will say it's going to be a year indefinite, whatever they decide to do with it, right? They're clearly unhappy with the, the what the, the disciplinary officer came uh, decision was. They will appeal it and say it's it's a year, it's it's indefinite. Uh, the NFL PA and Deshaun Watson, the PA on his behalf, will sue him, will take him to court. If they can get a judge to hear the case, which I don't think is a given, given that it's written in a CBA, this is allowed. Um, he'll go. He'll sue the league. He'll get an injunction. He'll be able to play while there's an injunction. Now, there's some differing opinions on whether that would be week one or he has to do the suspension that was kind of agreed upon with the disciplinary officer. We'll find that out. Um, and then we'll we'll fight a legal battle for a year, 18 months, as Tom Brady did. And then he'll have to serve the suspension the following year when a judge decides, well, you guys agreed to this in the CBA. It says right there, Roger Goodell can basically decide to do whatever he wants, whenever he wants with discipline. He just has this little quirky system that's face-saving if he needs it. And so he'll serve it in 2023. And the last point I'll make on it is we're now in less of a moral standoff, for lack of a better expression, as a financial one where Watson is now calculating how much money will I lose if I serve the ban in 2023 or 2024, as opposed to getting it out of the way this year. Because the way they shook that deal was to try and circumvent him serving a financial punishment, right? If it's all of next year, then he'll have to give up all of that contract for the year. If it's all of this year, they already paid him all the money. Mm. Okay, let's move on, Ollie, and let's let's try and take things down to a little bit more relaxed way. And what we do on the Moore and Connolly Football Show, and what we have always done, is we've mixed NFL news with some different alternative fun news. So I'm going to skip between an NFL news story and then a different news story. And the first one this week, Ollie, is an absolute classic. It's it's, it's a wonderful piece that I've heard that's come out of kind of a mixture of India and Russia. So bear with me. Scammers arrested after live streaming fake IPL, which is the Indian Premier League. It's a cricket league, if you don't know, from Farmer's Field to con gamblers in Russia. This is fantastic. So a fake version of cricket's Indian Premier League set up to con gamblers in Russia has been broken up after police arrested the gang behind it. So this apparently is an elaborate hoax 
where the con men hired a farmer's field in Gujarat and set up cameras to film bogus games. And according to reports, laborers and local unemployed people were hired to masquerade as players and created fake team names with the players wearing official well, replica IPL kits. The games were then streamed live on YouTube to unsuspecting betting operations in Russia. Now, the Times of India says that a local man who could do a very good impression of commentator Harsha Bogle was brought in to add authenticity to the footage. And then crowd noise and sound effects were downloaded from the Internet and made the ambience appear authentic. That's what the paper said. What an you've got to give people credit, Ollie, when they try and scam people and they put so much effort into it. It's one of the greatest stories of all time, and I really cannot wait for the documentary. I heard about this, uh, was it was about a fortnight ago now, right? And I'm still upset that they shut it down because it was only the only gambling they got reading through it was from Baltic countries, and uh, as you said, it's like 92% Russia. Okay, if they want if they want to gamble on a fake Indian Premier League, they're still a winner and loser. They were still your boots. game. They were just pretending to be very famous cricketers that they were not. It's, it's, it's it was still a matchup. I don't really see the harm. Yeah, actually, when you think about it, where's the where's the harm? Have you seen um, Bad Sport on Netflix? I, I I've seen a couple of them. Yeah, they're like standalone docs, aren't they? Yeah, they are quite good. There's there's a Ju Juventus one about the referee influencing, but then there's a cricket one as well about Hansi Kronje, which is very interesting if you're a cricket fan. Anyway, this isn't a cricket podcast. I just ask, <laughs> as as someone who is a keen cricketer and cricket viewer, um, what is the hardest part to fake there? Because I imagine if you're gambling on cricket as a Russian person. Now, cricket is not massively popular in Russia, Russia, I'm taken to understand. But I think you would have some semblance of an idea of, of what kind of the mechanics would be to do the best. Yes. So just going through the app, immediately as they bowled the first ball, yes. you would say that's not quick enough for the IPL level, right? That's exactly what you would see technically. And then the speed of the ball coming out the bowler's arm. Yeah, you would definitely notice. And then the technique of the players, because, you know, I play at an all right level, um, but you you can tell that the technique is is not there there's a there's a technical discipline even though techniques are and i've said technique too many times in the last 10 seconds even though individual batsmen's techniques can be quite different steve smith versus a kane williamson if people know what the hell i'm talking about still there is an obviousness if someone is not of a very high standard ollie so you would pick it up straight away but if they're rushing they don't know what they're doing there you go on, on that ollie this year I've scored 85, 82, 99. <laughs> I keep getting so close to getting 100, and I open the batting, and it's I, I got out on 99. I just skied it in my in the air, and I, I sent my dad a message. I said, Dad, I got out on 99. Instead of saying, unlucky, congratulations, you just said, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's go back to the NFL, Ollie. And Debo Samuel has finally got his 49ers extension. This has been going on for a while. This guy always seems to have loads of bling. On him as well. This guy is proper bling heavy, Debo Samuel is. 73.5 million three-year contract extension. And given the stuff that he's had around his neck before he had the extension, he's going to have some kind of diamond-encrusted like tire around his neck dangling near his knees probably soon. I hope so. The big thing for, for them is, is he just going to be a wide receiver? Will he still play the two positions? He said publicly now that, yeah, yeah, I'm up for doing that. Whereas before the contract, he said, no, 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 no. I, I no longer would like to play running back in the NFL. That really hurts. Um, so we'll see. Apparently, there's contract clauses in there that say, you know, if he plays X number of snaps as a running back, say 10 a game, if he, if he gets a certain number of rushing touchdowns, rushing yards, he'll get more and more money, which I think is the is probably the correct way to structure that kind of thing. Um and yeah, it's what it's one of the top offensive pieces in the league. That's what it costs now to get those guys. And unlike, you know, Will and I really broke down receiver contracts the other day for the nerds interested in, in listening to that stuff. That Nerd alert. Day. Nerd. Unlike Sorry. <laughs> so I was just thinking of Homer in The Simpsons when he when he goes to college and he pulls up on the in the car and this this guy walks past, he looks a little bit nerd. He just goes, Nerd. And he goes, there's two people, jocks and nerds. As a jock, I have to give nerds a hard time. And he turns to this guy who looks like a football player and goes, hey, dude, did you see the nerd? And he just goes, pardon me. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. If you're not an MCFS listener from the history as well, you'll find there's a lot of Simpsons conversations that come up. Please continue with Debo Samuel. Are almost more vital than the NFL at this point in time. Oh, yeah. So, so Debo, where was it? Yeah, so this 
there's a real threshold of how much you should allocate the cap to top receivers, I think, at this point. But Debo being the, the kind of two-position, two-way, two for lack of a better expression, player, I think he's absolutely worth this. Yeah. Well, see, I had this, this was holding out this false hope that maybe the Packers would, after getting rid of Devontae Adams, you know, maybe Debo Samuel would somehow end up in Green Bay. It was, it was never going to happen. And anyway, we've got the Lizard Man. So it's fine. <laughs> Uh, right, let's skip back out to a non-NFL news story, Ollie. And I've got two um, more risque news stories to end in between. There'll be another NFL story. But to hit you with this one, Sydney to Hobart race. So there's a yachting race from Sydney to Hobart, okay? Group of nudists rescues family stuck at sea. Now, bear with me because I've analysed this and I have questions, right? Nudists have rescued a group of sailors after a small boat that they were in got caught up in strong currents in Sydney. Sydney to Hobart. So the group are watching the annual Sydney to Hobart race when they found themselves struggling to keep control of the boat. Okay. Spotting the sailors in trouble, a group of nudists and other eyewitnesses on Lady Bay Beach set off to rescue the group. Interesting. There's a Lady Bay in Nottingham near where I live. So I've never see any nudists there. It's actually pretty rough. Um, the boat came angling into the shore, which was a bit weird. Um, this is what Chris Pierce, a, a Getty agency photographer who photographed, who photographed the rescue mission, told the Telegraph. I'll come back to Chris in a minute. I thought maybe they were dropping something off. But then a guy with a kid started screaming at the people on the shore, saying expletives, come on, come help, come help. You could see a fair bit of water on the boat. So the nudists rescued the women and child on the boat before pulling the boat ashore. Now, the incident was witnessed by hundreds of spectators. Now, first of all, why were these people on the boat, Ollie? Did they navigate themselves to a nudist cove mm. to, and then suddenly start sinking? Mm. What was Chris Pierce doing there, Getty Agency photographer, on this particular nudist cove? Oh, it, oh I just happened to be there. Yeah. So many questions, Ollie. Now, I just typed Chris Pierce into Getty as a Getty subscriber, and I'm seeing not a single photograph from the, from the Hobart Grand Prix, whatever they call a yachting uh, event. I'm seeing not a single one. So he was on there, presumably, to take photos of the yacht situation, we're hoping. And yet I'm seeing uh, this this story doesn't stack up. He was seeing them run something else up the flagpole or something along those lines. Uh, questions. But, you know, down under is Australia. Maybe if Tristan, again, Hall of Famer, longtime listener from the back of the old MCFS days, I'll hit him up on Twitter, hit him up on the text message as well. Lovely chat. Maybe Tristan will tell us. On the ground reporting. Yeah, if that's normal, Tristan, uh, I need your help. Back to the NFL for one more news story from the NFL, Ollie. James Washington could miss 10 games for Dallas with a broken foot. There's actually been quite a few injuries as well. The Buck Center has picked up an injury. I know he might be out for the entire season. Is that Jensen? Yes. Um, yeah, so what do you make of this Washington one? And any other ones in terms of injuries, Ollie, which they start to come now during training camp. It's always one of those things as a fan, you're crossing your fingers going, no, 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 no. Um, what what of any of the injuries? Which ones would you pick out? Washington one, I'll touch on particularly that that one is a frustrating one. I mean, we did I think three or four weeks ago potential breakout plays of the season. I, I had Washington on there. He'd played with this fossilized version of Ben Ben Roethlisberger for two years, and so was considered a bad player, a, a bad wide receiver because Ben Roethlisberger couldn't push the ball down the field. And James Washington's great strength is he's a deep threat and he has one of the the, the finest. Uh, if you run through the data, his kind of per route production is extraordinary down the field. And I really thought if you could slot him into that system with Dak, with CD Lamb drawing so much attention inside, he could have a, a pretty explosive big year. And so to lose him to 10 weeks is is frustrating and will be difficult for them to cope with. I think they needed that kind of deep, take the top, top off, at least push back the coverage type receiver. And so to lose that, I think will be tough for them. But if it's 10 weeks and he's back in time for an end of year, postseason run then it's one of those things where if you can just kind of mull through and figure out other things on offense and it's a nice thing to, to drop back onto to your team when he, he returns to full health definitely ollie definitely now i'm going to finish news this week with a fantastic one ollie again it's as if the gods and the universe realized that we were coming back to do news this is fantastic i found this one on the metro and it goes as such brace yourself man suffers a hundred erections a day and girlfriend Girlfriend says, in inverted commas, there's no rest. <laughs> so, a woman has spoken out about her unusual sex life, saying her boyfriend has up to 100 erections a day and it is tiring her out. 
Vicky Brown names of people. They're proud. They're just go. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you my story. Vicky Brown and Lucas Martins met by chance in a Morrison supermarket queue. Maybe he bumped into her accidentally. <laughs> That's the product of his, his issue. And since then, they have enjoyed a passionate relationship. But Vicky says her partner's erections are so frequent they can happen at any time. It's like Timmy in South Park with the alarm with the bell, ding a ling a ling, such as in the shop or going for a coffee. Why not? Um, Lucas even went to a doctor about it, but was told it wasn't a medical issue. Well, maybe not, but the regularity of it is probably difficult. He says he's never experienced this before meeting Vicky and puts it down to her being a goddess. I mean, that's nice, isn't it, Ollie? Uh, yeah, that's one way of putting it. I, Ooh, I, 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 wait, there's, okay, you can add your comment, but then there's more. I, I need more intel on the why and not the why of his biological habits or whatever's happening there of the why of if if it's say it's a hundred a day then what is their ratio and why do they have to have that if, if he's comfortable then 90 times they're not which seems like a massive amount right right hang on so let's say it's only be 99 well let's say it's 100 times a day okay and let's say they're awake he's awake for what 12 hours mm-hmm. right so 100 divided by 12 never not erect <laughs> That's 8.3 an hour. So if we take um, 60 and divide it by 8.3, you get an erection every 7.2 minutes. Mm-hmm. That is, that's considering if none of those happen at night. No, anyway, that, that is excessive. And <laughs> um, you telling me? I, I don't know why that wouldn't be deemed a medical issue. It seems like it would be. Now, this is what he says to continue the story. She only needs to look at me and speak to me, and I get hungry for it, he said. If that pheromone and testosterone just link together correctly, I can easily come to bed and look at Vicky and have an erection. I fall asleep with one and wake up with one. Well, there's nothing that outrageous about the latter thing there. She is basically a forbidden fruit, and for that reason, I just want to eat it. Hang on a second. How she's fit now? I want to continue reading. Right, bear with me. Ollie's got his head in his hands for those audio listeners. Vicky said he has always believed in good intercourse with his woman and wife-to-be, and that she agrees it brings a relationship closer. He wants to be with me all the time. But she says it's starting to get in the way of her chores and appointments. It's like a set of a porno. Uh, So um, they want to know if it's something that other people are experiencing because he's had erections in the shop, restaurants, the gym. There's no rest for it. And he wondered whether it was an issue anybody else had. We met in my favorite childhood supermarket, Morrison's. I was in my uniform, okay, with wet hair and a mask on. Oh, right, because it was during COVID time, sorry. And we were queuing up as he walked around the corner with a massive piece of fillet steak in his basket and said, wow, aren't you beautiful? This gets worse, this story. We got speaking and I turned down three coffee dates at the start because I was so happy being on my own. But then we kept bumping each other into each other. <laughs> oh, oh, my God, I'm scrolling now. The story keeps going. In bed, it's the same. We can not We can go to sleep with a direction and wake up with one. Even though he does night shifts, there's no change in it at all. I'm so confused right now. Uh, Lucas, who works in management, fine, said, it just seems to be natural. I've got a wonderful woman next to me. She's a goddess. This seems a weird story. If anyone wants to check that out and send us their thoughts, mcfsquestions at gmail.com. Sounds like a HR disaster waiting to happen if he's in management. It really does. Ollie, let's zoom out of this and let's zoom into some Legend of the Week talk. So, Ollie, Legend of the Week this week, I'm not going to give you an NFL one, okay? I want to give you a topical one. Is that okay? Please. Now, my Legend of the Week this week is specifically around the Women's Euro 2022 victory. So if you're not aware of this, if you're not in the UK or you're not a fan of football or women's football, soccer that is, the English women's soccer team won the European Championships, which is the all the international teams in Europe they play. And it's the first time that they've done so. It's the first time that England have won a major tournament, men or women, since 1966. It's a massive big deal. And this, Ollie, is a quote that I think is absolutely brilliant. Leah Williamson, the captain, she is my legend of the week because Paolo Maldini, the famous and wonderful fantastic if you're an american you don't know who he is essentially a hall of famer you would say left back for italy he said if i ever had to make a tackle then i've already made a mistake and leo williamson made no tackles playing central defense through the whole of euro 22 but i believe on top of that she intercepted more balls than anybody else that is bobby moore-esque 
And that is why Leah Williams is my Legend of the Week. Well, if, if we're doing Legends of the Week, I'm going to go with Chloe Kelly because I don't believe she has stopped dancing yet. I think she will, she, she will never not dance for the rest of time. She was the the match-winning hero. Is that, is that the correct way to put it? Here's me yeah. now trying to change my English brain to make it understandable to American people. Um, it was an unbelievable moment. Unbelievable moment. And the first goal, world-class finish is outrageous uh, that maldini quote is great because that that cycles around all the time right and then someone will put a compilation of him just two-footing people in the in, <laughs> in 90s Serie A football which is i think the best time of football so yeah well football used to be quite a defensive game soccer we're talking about here and then it, it's become more attacking but and traditionally in italy very defensive game it was always the classic the brazilians are the masters of attack the italians are masters of defense and that's how they would end up together. It is a wonderful quote, but that team, they did fantastically. It was wonderful to watch. I hope everyone's enjoyed it. And anyone that is still talking in a derogatory way about women's football really, really need to go and watch it because it is so much better than it was 10 years ago. The improvements have been fantastic and it is enjoyable to watch. There's great skill and talent there, Ollie. It's fantastic. Uh, the greatest part about it is that, one, people kept saying the ref was terrible in the final, which I kind of disagree with. Not that she was necessarily getting the good calls right or wrong, but they just allow it's such a more physical game in the Premier League. Now, the Premier League, the skill level is obviously off the charts. Even I watch a lot of La Liga, the skill level, you can see it every week. The difference between Ibar and like, I don't know, even Norwich in the championship now is it's just not even close. The technical skill of the players now. But in La Liga, there's no physical football, right? Mm. In, in the Euro Championships, you watch any game, they will just clobber each other and they will get up and carry on running, and I'm waiting for the whistle. There's no whistle. <laughs> they just keep playing. I, I the, the style and aesthetic of the game is genuinely more appealing than the style of any other kind of league. Now, it's the t you know top, top, top of the sport, but it international football is awful and stodgy and crappy in set pieces. The way that thing flows is so much more fun than anything else. It's, it, was, it was a joy to watch. It really, really was. It really was. That's our legend of the week, Ollie. Now, let's move on, Ollie, to my favourite part of the show. And it will be my favourite part of the show as we move forward. We're going to have a game show. Each week, a famous game show, and we're going to put an NFL slant on it. Now, Ollie, this week, I'm really excited for this one. We're going to play Family Fortunes or The Family Feud. Are you ready? I'm so ready. Okay, let's play The Feud! Now, Ollie, all of these questions are NFL-related, and the point of playing the game show, ladies and gentlemen, is so you can play along at home. If you're driving in the car, if you're doing a run or you're on a walk and you're listening to the podcast, you can play along. And I have got quite a few questions. We don't have to do them all, Ollie, but I'm going to work through them. And we're playing this game on the basis of this is the main board game. The board's up there, and I'm going to do the our survey set and see whether you're right. And it's the top five in each of the categories that I'm going to go through, NFL-related, okay? Are you ready to play the feud? I've never been more ready. And, I, I, and it is family fortunes in the UK, obviously, but for some reason, calling it the feud seems to really appeal to me. So the first category, Ollie, we've got is NFL career leaders all time, all time passing touchdown to interception ratio. Now, top five, you can't have number one because it's obvious, okay? It is... Tom Brady. No, it's Aaron Rodgers. Oh, seriously. Oh, this is where this is what people are going to be excited by this now. You know, I'm an ex-scout scheme nerd. Stuff like this just does not move my needle and does not cross my radar. So my about to, as they say in English, show my ass. <laughs> okay, I love it. So we've got five answers on the board. The top five who lead NFL. Ratio, so I'm going percentage yeah. ratio. Who is the most clinical? Now, is there a minimum attempt? 10,000 yards passing because oh, all the okay. people i've seen have got over ten thousand yards in this list so so yeah. aaron Rodgers' td to yeah. interception ratio is 4.83 so essentially that's 4.83 touchdowns to an interception there's four more in the top five ollie yeah. i'm gonna let you have five guesses at getting them and if you want to give up at any point you're allowed to yeah. but who are the top five apart from Rodgers in history and i suppose you have to consider here that the modern game has got probably far more accurate quarterbacks in terms of less interceptions i would suggest uh patrick mahomes is number two but you're right one and two is rogers and mahomes okay so my so i'm doing another guess now i'm going to go with 
people who were high volume passes, I guess that's not necessary for 10,000 yards, better turnover ratio, sorry, better touchdown ratio to turnover ratio, guys who were highly efficient, Drew Brees. Our survey said, no, Ollie, not Drew Brees. Ooh, that's an interesting one. Not Drew Brees. So you've now got three left to get and only three guesses. Only three guesses. Drew Brees, Drew Brees is 11th, 2.35. Okay. Hmm, 10,000 yards. Is there, can I ask a question? That's not yeah, of course you can. Is there a name in there that is a play who we all acknowledge is average, but because of what this specific thing is, they're in the... You know what? Actually, no. The three players that remain behind Rodgers and Mahomes are all excellent, high-quality, well-regarded football players, as in they are they are known for their talent, Ollie. Very much so. They're, there's no weird one in here. The, the person in at number five, though, is an interesting name for this moment in time. Shall I say? Oh, that's all I'll say. That is interesting. Okay, Russell Wilson. That's what they said. Yes, Russell Wilson is third, 3.36. Oh, so I got I got two and three. That's good. Okay. Four, the interesting one. You know, you name it, you immediately... No, the fifth, the fifth is the interesting one for, for this current moment in time. That's quite a big clue. And the fourth one is a volume oh, one so and an obvious one. So you should get these two now that I've just told you that. Yeah, so it's Deshaun Watson. Our survey said... Yes, unfortunately, Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson is number five, 2.89. Who's number four then, Ollie? Let's do it quickly. Come on, big volume. He's played forever. <laughs> Tom Brady. Our survey said, yes, Rogers, Mahomes, Wilson, Brady, and Watson. Okay, let's move on. Let's move on to something a bit different. We're going to go to teams now, Ollie, in our next round, which is the top five teams in terms of now i want you to get a clean sweep here ollie okay this is my expectation of you and i hope some of you can at home world championship titles not just super bowls oh okay world championship titles top five go for it okay top five pittsburgh steelers a survey said yes joint fourth so fourth and fifth sixth six world championships okay green bay packers our survey said Obviously, yes, the Packers, 13-time world champions. I know people will debate that. I don't care. 13, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, when they were playing in black and white with only whites is, is when they were winning all those titles. Well, when the, the, through their eyes, it was in color. <laughs> yeah. uh, the New England Patriots. Our survey said, yes, six titles as well, the same as the Pittsburgh Steelers. The San Francisco 49ers. Our survey said... No, Ollie. Oh. Five from San Francisco. I'll oh. give you another I'll give you the last chance to get the last two. So these are between 13 and 6. They're the numbers we're talking about here. Can, can you remind me of who I've said? I forgot. You said the Packers, the Patriots, the Steelers, and you tried the 49ers, who are there with the Cowboys, the Colts, and the Washington. <laughs> That's the first time I'm ever gonna say this on the podcast. Commanders with five titles. Two teams. One has nine. One has eight. Now, for the listeners at home and for Ollie, you need to think about longevity here in yeah. terms of teams yeah. that are long-time tenured in the league that will have got titles before yeah. it became the Super Bowl. When the only athletic player in the league was Jim Brown, perhaps. And he just ran the freight train through everyone. Is it? Is it the Cleveland Browns? A survey said... No, not the Browns. The Browns have four, Ollie. The final two on the list are the Chicago Bears with nine... And the New York Giants with six. You want to play another round? Yes. Okay, let's play. Because I've got quite a... They're a bit rubbish to just the the people. Okay, I really like this one. The bottom five teams in terms of win-loss percentage ratio in NFL history. The bottom five teams. In NFL history. Wow. So you have to be bad. Of of active teams. So it's of the 32 that are in the league now, not like the New England silly nannies who played in the 20s for one year. So you have to be not just considered losers, but you have to be consistently below average. That's how you drive that thing down. It is if you've been in the league a long time. But I think something to consider, and this is a clue for you, Ollie, and those people playing at home, this is easier to do if you're a more recent franchise. Well, yes, the Jags make the playoff once, but stink the, whole, the rest of the time. So I'm, I'm going to start with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Our survey said, 
Yes, the Jags, they're 31st. They have a win-loss ratio. They're 0.416 overall. Very bad. So that's not the worst. It is actually hard to be that bad. I think I remember the first being the Lions. No. Ollie, that's wrong. Our survey oh, did not all. say that. I didn't I didn't even go to the sound effect because <laughs> so I was so shocked. Stunned. Yeah. The Lions are actually 25th, Ollie, in the what? overall. They're 0. 0.452. But they've played almost double the amount of games of some teams in this in this bottom five. So try again, Ollie. Bottom five. Playing along at home as well. Keep shouting at your podcast. One thing that's thrown me here is, is the Cleveland Browns considered just the new organization. Uh, do, do the Baltimore Ravens have the old Cleveland Browns record when they were good? No, no. Uh, the Cleveland Browns, the records then went back when the team yeah. moved again. I know that. So the Cleveland Browns will contain those records that were decent. So it's so how don't... much does Johnny Manziel... And then <laughs> has it messed it up enough to get them in the bottom five? Get them past Jim Brown. This is an extraordinary decision to make. And then the Jets is a tough one because they're always bad, but then they have they have like four years of goodness. I, I'm still going to go with the Jets. Our survey said? No, just outside, Ollie. The Jets are 27th, 0.440. So there's four teams you've missed in this top five. You've got Jacksonville. Now, I'm going to give you one more life. But if you get another one wrong, Ollie, you're done. You have a chance to steal. Um. And now I go straight in my mind to the Bungles, and yet I also have in my head that they do—they did win a lot with when Bill Walsh was there, and they won quite consistently with Marvin Lewis, and that feels like a quite a fair few years to string together. How am I missing the thirty-second team? It's actually quite surprising, Ollie. It's actually quite surprising. But you've got one more. Go are you going with the Bengals? Or are you going to venture away from there? I know in my head that's going to be wrong. Let me just let me just quickly as I talk. Okay, you just you talk through and, I, and I'll, I'll just vamp as well because I definitely think that we should. This is a in terms of game shows as well for the <laughs> for the podcast. It's a really good one because all you need is a list. And I tell you what, it generates some good good chat and it generates some thoughts in your head. I know at home while you're listening, you're shouting. You're probably shouting the answer that Ollie can't get at your podcast or at your car oh. radio now, whatever it is. Oh. Oh, no, I've played myself as well. I, I immediately then just jumped to the Texans. Then the Gary Kubiak's face slapped me <laughs> in my face. <laughs> I thought, oh, they've not been around very long, and they were quite good in that area. And then Bill O'Brien won a ton of games. But they were so bad to begin. So bad. Oh, this is a hard game. I'll, I'll go back to the Bengals just to try and get that off the board. Our survey said... No, Ollie, 26. The Bengals are 0.449, and I'm going to put you out of your misery now. So fifth from last, just behind the Bengals and the Jets, the Falcons mm. are 0.438. Oh, yeah, and nest Atlanta, sneakily the loseriest loser town in mm. all of America. Nestling just behind them in 29th, Ollie, in terms of overall record, was the Texans, oh. 0.433. Then in 30th, just above the Jags, who we've talked about, the Cardinals, 0.428. And 31st at the bottom of the barrel, and not by an inconsiderate gap, Ollie, at 0.402, whereas Jacksonville are 0.416. And having played twice as many games as the Jacksonville Jaguars as well, nearly. It's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, of course, of course, clouded by the Brady of it all when they've been the worst franchise in the league for four days. Exactly. That's why it was hard to see. Anyway, I'm going to... I'm going to... The Cardinals won. They've had about nine iterations of the franchise, right? That, that so They've been around since like the 20s, so... That, they have. They have. That's been an insane number of games. Now I'm going to forgo some other items that are on our running order because we, we've got things we can repeat every week, Ollie, and stick with this. I'm going to do one more round and then we'll go to questions for the listeners. Are you ready? Wait, we, does that mean that we're dropping... Uh, Synonsense that we played last week. Yeah, we'll do some more synonsense next week. I know. Well, I've got one synonsense for you. I'll throw it in now. Synonsense, ladies and gentlemen, is a game where I come up with another name for a footballing term. I'll do one after this, Ollie. I'll do one after this. We'll play that game. We'll do just one after this. So, Ollie, final round of Family Fortunes, Family Feud. Let's play the feud. Here we go. So, Alternatively, Ollie, this is most playoff wins since 2000. So in the last 22 years, yep. top five, have at it. Okay, Patriots. That's what they said. Yes, the Patriots, number one with 42 games played 
30 wins. That is a lot. <laughs> they win a lot of football games. Seahawks. <laughs> Our survey said, yes, fourth, Ollie. 27 games played, 14 wins. You said since 2000, right? Since 2000, so you've got two of the top five. You need to playoff two, three, and five. Playoff wins the Packers. They win uh, the Packers. Our survey said, oh. correct, Ollie. Fifth, 29 games, 14 wins. Although there is another team with 14 wins, the Philadelphia Eagles, so I would have accepted both. So now, Ollie, you're looking at you want the number two and the number three since 2000. Now, I believe you can do this without any mistakes. So I'm not giving you any lies. If you get one wrong, you're done. Okay. So, two more to get. The number two, is it? Is it incredibly obvious? Since 2000, oh, that, that has to be the Colts. Is that your answer, Ollie? I'm going to give you a chance to assess that and think about the teams that have done well since 2000 in the NFL. Because I can see why you've said the Colts. Well, I get all of Peyton and I get Andrew Luck. You do. Um, Andrew Luck wasn't around for as long as you think he was. No, I'm, I, clearly, I'm clearly leading you here, Ollie. Yeah, I'm aware. Um, and then there's the Broncos here. How many years have the Broncos had there? Peyton for a little bit. To be, to, be, to be fair, the Colts, I'll tell you this now, they've won 13 games. So they are just outside that Green Bay, Philadelphia, no, Seattle. The problem with this as well is Peyton had to buy every time. He did. I, I, you need teams that rack up consistent wildcard wins here. Uh, Ooh, I like your thinking. Okay. So the Steelers. Our survey said, yes, 15 wins in 27 games played. So that leaves you with one more to get, Ollie. And this is a team that has won 16 games in 27 games played. So you've had the Patriots, the Steelers, the Seahawks, the Packers, the Eagles just outside and the Colts that we've talked about. So it can't be any of those teams. You're searching for one more. Is, is this team in a division with one of those teams? Yes. Really? That's when you would say no. <laughs> that's, that's really, that makes it obvious, though. So they're either in the AFC East, the AFC North, the NFC West, or the NFC North. Yeah. I'm not counting the Eagles and the Colts. So it's in one no, of those I, divisions. I really want to say the Ravens. The Ravens. Our survey said, yes, Ollie, a full house for the final round of the game. You did a great job, my friend. Well done. And that, Ollie, is the end of the family feud, is the end of family fortunes. That's a great way to start our game shows. Ooh, that's Brilliant. great. I think I had two out of three. Not bad. Yeah, you did pretty well, Ollie. Yeah, I think you got two. I think you maybe got two rounds right. I may have done three or I may have done four or five rounds there. Anyway, we hope you enjoyed that at home. Let us know your scores. If you got them absolutely perfect all the way through, please tell us mcfsquestions at gmail.com, but we might not believe you. Uh, Ollie, to, to, before we get to listeners' questions, I'll talk about sinner nonsense. So this is our game where I come up with a new way of describing a football terminology. So last week's example for, that we could use is ultimate uh, shithousery or unnecessary shithousery, wasn't it? Which was icing the kicker. That's an example. And I hope that they start to use that on Something the commentary. I've been using around my household four times a day. Good. Unnecessary shithousery. So I will give you another one, Ollie. This is, this is one off the top of my head that I know I came up with straight away with before I printed off my glossary, which we talked about on the show last week. What footballing term is this? You ready? Mm -hmm. Side pop. Side pop. Side pop. A lateral. N no, no. One more chance. Side pop. Is the inflection essential? Not really, but it kind of does mirror the, the, the motion. Side pop. Can you do it again with the hand and the face? A side pop. Is that a duke move? Yes, it is a duke oh, move. No. Okay, I'll give you one more then, uh, because I really like this one as well. Okay, which football term, football nomenclature, football phraseology is this? Here we go. Grill. That sounds like someone who lives under a bridge. <laughs> I know a few of them. Do you repeat that one more time, please? <laughs> grill. I mean, this is preposterous. <laughs> what is grill? Now, you're saying grill. 
Yes, I am saying grill. I don't know why I'm saying it like I'm so saying. That, so that is not essential to it. No, it's not at all. A grill, is that just, well, that's, use that as a face, face mask. Is it the face mask? It's the face mask, Ollie. <laughs> I just would like people to start going, oh, he's, he's really good up in his grill. Anyway, it's a funny story. We went to, um, me and a few friends of mine on a stag do, we went to Edinburgh. And we went to the Edinburgh Dungeons. And we were pretty scared on the way through. It was really dark down there. It was pretty scared. They have obviously the, the dark staff. in those dungeons. Yeah, it is. They have the staff who like are dressed up as characters. Anyway, we're right at the end and there's this door and we're in this like little pen room and it's dark and it's really quiet with like just the mood music they have in the background. And then suddenly this door opens and this guy dressed as like kind of a, a friar from like the mid, you know, the dark age just comes out and he looks perfectly like this fry. He looks exactly the part. And then he just walks right up to us because we're really close to him because we weren't aware he was going to come out the door. And in, in the most kind of faux American accent just goes, why are you all up in my grill, G? <laughs> <laughs> it was the most bizarre experience of my life. Right. It's time, Ollie, for the listeners questions. So remember, ladies and gentlemen, you can find Ollie and I on Twitter at Ollie Connolly at the underscore Tommy underscore more. But if you want to send us questions, it's mcfsquestions at gmail.com. And we don't mind if they're NFL questions, random questions, comments or abuse, whatever they are, send them in. We'll probably talk about them. So all of the questions this week have come in from MCFS Hall of Famers, Ollie. People who were listening to us during the glory years and have come and returned to listen to the podcast again. And we start with Oliver Inwards. Ollie Inwards. So Ollie's first question is, he's got two questions. He says, do you think Pittsburgh and Tomlin can keep their record of never having a losing season going? I feel like people just assume the new QBs will be better than Ben, who was very bad. Well, was at the end, but obviously that's a bit derogatory. But I may be overlooking what he brought to the team experience-wise, diagnosing plays, getting the ball out quickly behind a bad offensive line. And Trubs, Trubisky, and Kenny, two gloves might really struggle behind that O-line. So, Ollie, what do you think? Do you think they can keep it going? No, I think I think they're in trouble. I mean, the thing that kind of overrides the entire AFC North, unfortunately, is the guy we've been talking about kind of throughout mm. this podcast if that guy was available to play, I think they'd be in massive trouble. And you just look through their division, and that is by far, by I'd say, a comfortable distance. Now, the defense has the potential to be great again, but pretty clearly the fourth-best roster in its own division. That's never a good starting point. And if you have the worst roster in your division, you have to have the best quarterback. And they have, by some far, far away, the worst quarterback in that division, regardless of who starts. I'm not a Kenny Pickett guy. I'm most certainly not a Mitch Trubisky guy. And I think Mike Tomlin is a true warlock. And if anyone can figure this out, it's him. And it would be defense and run game and all the classic stuff. Uh, but no, I think this is the year where they kind of have a hard reset. And unless Pickett is complete magic, and I do not think he will start the season, they'll they'll have a, a losing record at the end of it. Whoever would categorize themselves as a Mitch Trubisky guy? Anyway, that's, that's just my opinion. Um, he also says, Ollie, in his second question, which I think is fantastic, and these are the kind of questions, ladies and gentlemen, that I love. My girlfriend insists on having ketchup with a Sunday roast instead of gravy, yes. and that this isn't weird behavior. Now, he's appalled every time it happens. Anyways, what's the weirdest food thing you guys like that common consensus think is weird? Now, first of all, Ollie, Putting ketchup on your Sunday roast, brown sauce, whatever it is, that is not okay. No, that is not okay. Ketchup is, is a condiment of a child. Um, it is it is sugar water um, poured over. And I will allow it on chips. Okay. Okay. Because that, that, that is a child's food anyway. I was about to get angry there. Can I have it on a burger? I will allow it, but is there some kind of bar right. or sweet chili situation going there's, on? There's, dying for clearly... the ketchup. <laughs> You've clearly got a limit here, so I'm just going to keep naming things until you say. So hot dog, I'm assuming you'd say no because you have to put mustard no. on it. Well, anything that is an adult meal should not have ketchup. And we all know what they are. Don't be making faces. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. But would you class, class barbecue sauce as similarly a child's condiment? Because that's just full of sugar and it's sweet. Oh, it is. It is. And I, I thought about this hypocrisy before we did the show. Um, I love barbecue sauce, so it is a complete hypocrisy. But barbecue sauce does also have a, a, a degree, slightly, not of class <laughs> per se, but of upper, the upper tier food uses barbecue sauce intentionally. No upper tier food purposely uses ketchup. You know what? That is quite a remarkable statement. And I think you might have hit on something there, Ollie. That might be what ends up going in the definitive 
guide to food in terms of what is okay and what is not okay. What I do want to talk about here, Ollie, is my wife, if you're not a long-time listener, she's Greek, born in Greece, raised there. We've got two lovely Anglo-Greek boys. Um, they eat lamb in Greece a lot, but she doesn't like it. But the only lamb, the only condiment they put on lamb is mustard, and they cannot get their heads around mint sauce. And for me, Ollie, my favourite meat and sauce combo on a Sunday dinner is lamb with mint sauce. You know, like a shoulder joint, cooks slow, falls apart. What is it with mustard on lamb? That just seems backward to me. I've never heard of such a thing. Exactly. Is that particular to the Greeks, or is that... I don't know. Well, anyway, listeners, let's keep going with this condiment wars conversation. MCFSquestions at gmail.com. So, Chris Huntingford has got in touch. Hey, guys, long-time lover of your show. Yes, we know, Chris, you are a Hall of Famer. My questions are, is the reason uh, Jacoby, Joe Jacoby not in the Hall of Fame because Dan Schneider and his shambolic run, running of a once great franchise. And where does Ollie's hatred for once great franchise come from? Is it just because of Dan Schneider? If so, I understand. All the best. Glad you're both back. Uh, where does my hatred of the franchise that used a racial slur as its name for that one. the majority of its history come from? Hmm. Let me think. I, mean, I, do, I do not hate any franchise. I have no opinion of the franchise. I do not have opinions of the specific fan bases. I think that the the Washington football team is perfectly fine. I comment upon their moves. And in the era that people have been listening to my voice discussing these things, it has been one shambles after. I love the RG3 era. That was really fun. I loved RG3 coming out of college. I love Mike and Kyle Shanahan. That was a wonderful time. I think Dan Snyder is a deplorable person. I think he's run that, that organization in a horrific way simply for his own personal gain and there's this weird convolution of michael scott meets malevolence which is just a <laughs> combination um so no it's absolutely no no hatred for the organization at all i i massively respect their history i love the hogs i wish in those pictures they weren't wearing those helmets per se um and i think the commander's name is the the most horrific name in the history of professional american sports i think it's terrible um, outside of the ones that are racial slurs, I should probably counter. I, I would have loved, and I would have been all in, if they had, were able to get Snyder out of owning the team and they had remained as they should have done and they should return to the Washington professional football team. I agree. I would have preferred that. Unique. You're Washington. You stand above and alone from everything else. Promote Washington. The second name is irrelevant. You are the Washington football team. They had it out there they were forced into it and it was a beautiful name and so i applaud the washington football team i do not like the washington commanders yeah it's interesting isn't it i feel the complete same way it feels like they were yeah they were forced into doing that just in the meantime oh we'll just call ourselves the washington football team because that's what we're gonna have to do and ultimately actually that was organic as well and they should just let it be because it was natural it was a natural thing to choose so there and you go. Lastly, for Chris to say, I think Joe Gibbs is the most underappreciated coach in the history of pro football. Uh, you look at his resume stacked up to anyone else's, the innovation, the counter tray, all that good nerdy stuff is is basically unparalleled unless you get to Belichick. That's the only other guy, maybe Walsh. And to do it what he did, which is basically take a bunch of average to crappy QBs and win Super Bowls. Go and find me all the other coaches who have won multiple Super Bowls with average to good to crappy QBs. They don't exist. They all win with Hall of Famers or they win one with a Nick Foles and they never get back again. That's very true. Or a Joe Flacco. Uh, let's move on. Dan Yale, Yaleykins, he's another Hall of Famer. He's got in touch. So good to have MCFS back in my ears. Love to come in your ears, Dan. You'll hope you're both doing well. I've got two questions for you. Okay. If you could add a third guest to MCFS, who would it be? They can be permanent and get involved in the whole show, or you could just have them on a call for a segment each week. And then finally, if you could make one thing illegal, <laughs> legal. If you could make one illegal thing legal, what would it be? If you prefer not to incriminate yourself, what one legal thing do you think should become illegal? Your old friend, Yalikins. Kiss. Thank you, Dan. So let's go first. Who would you bring in as a guest, Ollie? That's a really good question. I'm interested, first of all, to hear your thoughts on that one. I don't think people even care about my thoughts on that one. Well, I'd love, I'd love to get a bit of the old band back together and maybe have a bit of Neil Dutton, who's uh, obviously doing very, very well now. Say that himself. as if we couldn't call him right now. And he well, we could call Neil and he would pick up the phone. Well, you could. He wouldn't answer the phone to me. You could call anyone, though. Um, it would be great to have N Neil Dutton uh, on the line, um, maybe just for a bit of a fantasy segment. Of course, we're not really a fantasy show. We never will be. We might talk about it a bit in the future, but it's not really our thing. Um, 
or a permanent guest again. If you're going to have somebody who's involved in the whole show, then maybe I'd want a little bit more of a character. Would it be great if if Aaron Rodgers, as he's drinking his his weird tea, mm-hmm. when he's in one of his kind of comatose states, was part of the show just for a little bit? That would be interesting. I would definitely love to have him do a 15-minute segment McAfee style. I know he does an hour with him, but we mm. have him every week, particularly, hopefully, during the hour now where he takes his psychedelics, he says. Exactly. He apparently is taking during games, which is a wild admission uh, from him. That would, yeah, that would be a blast. He's uh, I'm, I know he's a bit of an arse, but he is actually fundamentally... He's endearing himself to me again because it's just the show of it. It's just I, nonsense. He, he's it's great. He reached a level of... It, the problem with Rogers, I will not get on my high horse, I promise, was that we took him too seriously on his crusade to be this kind of interesting free thinker. Mm. Once you remove yourself from this kind of art school vibe that he's got going on in, in his almost 40s, okay, and yeah. you look at the totality of it, and the preposter- when people get that level of preposterous, it becomes endearing and funny again. And it I think does. because we, we've no longer given him this credibility of, yeah, he's a very interesting, deep thinker, and that has just vanished, it has now become hilarious, which makes him endearing. No, you're completely right. And in terms of one le- illegal thing that you could make legal, what would it be? Hmm. Well, in the UK, I, I don't know why a thing that grows out of the ground is illegal. I would make weed illegal, I think. Um, Probably agree with you there. It does seem a bit strange considering other things that are far more harmful. You can just buy whatever you want. That would be the one. Is there anything that is currently legal that you want to be illegal? Uh, you have children as well, so it probably changes your perspective. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Things are illegal. No, but I'd, I tell you what, I'd want... Uh, here you go. This is not illegal, but it winds me up. People that park in parent-child spaces at the supermarket and don't have any children with them, that should be illegal. That should be so illegal that they get their car taken away from them and their license taken away. I, I saw this guy. It was fantastic. So I parked at the Sainsbury's and there was quite a few spots, okay. But he parked in a child spot and he was in like a nice Merc or whatever. And he, he didn't have any kids with him. And I was waiting for him to get out. I was waiting because I was chatting to someone who was in a parent-child spot that I actually knew. I bumped into someone at the shop. I was waiting for him to get out. Waiting. And he got out and he started walking. And I said to him, I said, hey, mate, where are your kids? He said, what? I said, well, that's a parent-child spot, mate. Said, what if there's a mum that, that, you know, is pregnant with a kid and she's not going to park? He went, ah, oh, just be two seconds, mate. I went, well, that's not the point, is it? Have you even got any kids? <laughs> As he was walking away, <laughs> as he was walking away, he went, yeah, man, two. <laughs> and then just walked off. It was just like the biggest two fingers up to me. And I kind of thought, okay, fair enough. You win this round. Um, I got to say that the one thing I would add to that list, which is more of like an irritant that should be like a, a societal irritant that probably should have some kind of legislation put against it is going up to the coffee shop window, booth, whatever you call it, counter, without your order already ready to go. Why oh. are you in the queue before you have made the decision? Stand off to the side, prepare your order, and then arrive at the counter to speak to the lovely people to ask please for your coffee. It's like any interaction point that people have with anything, if it's a machine or a till or whatever it is, you should be prepared for that interaction. It's like people that go up to a par- car park ticket machine and haven't got their ticket in their hand ready to put in the damn slot i mean seriously wake yourselves up ladies and gentlemen mcfs questions at gmail.com send us your annoying everyday occurrences we'd love to hear about them let's finish ollie we've got one more question and it's from the great will who is not only a hat rack on twitter Uh not only a hard track (laughs) always said that wrong anyway will's another hall of famer he's in touch with us and hey if you send in enough questions over enough weeks guys you will become a hall of famer and if you're a hall of famer your question always gets answered despite the language being removed from the contract how many times this season will Kyler Murray be asked in a press conference, how many hours of independent study have you done this week? And how funny could that become? It could almost, Ollie, become like Jordan in his final season getting asked, so is this your last time in, in <laughs> wherever it was, in Detroit, in Chicago? In, um, it, it, someone's got to do it, aren't they? It's great because it's now going to be so in his head to the point of distraction where he's going to be posting Instagram photos of him doing the homework, which it mm. probably wasn't doing before. And he's going to take more time proving i mean this is going to be ryan fitzpatrick harvard levels of this every single broadcast will point out at some point either some kind of ex-jock you know blaming the media for how dare they could have said this obviously he studies hard or someone raising oh maybe in this game when he's struggling did he study this week 
Um, so I, it's going to follow him, I think, basically forever. It'll be part of the the, the epitaph. And uh, when he does some kind of documentary with ESPN, I imagine the first scene will be him, you know, in a in a blacked out room with the projector rolling and him sat with his notebook. I think this is now very much intertwined with who Callum Murray is as a public figure. Yeah, and he's never going to find it funny. So <laughs> I wouldn't like to be the reporter who, who who makes that joke. It is like I have been watching The Last Dance again recently. So maybe that's my, when I made the Michael Jordan comment. When that person asks Jerry Krause, the GM, about is there the backstabbing that's going on? And he goes, you know, well, there's not any backstabbing going on. I'm, I'm frankly, I'm surprised you would ask such a question. Uh, anyway, good night. And he walks <laughs> off. And then, and then as he's left the press conference, you hear, you hear somebody just say, one of the other journalists go, way to go, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> Kyler Murray going, I'm surprised you asked that question. And frankly, I'm disgusted. Good night, everyone. Way to go, Phil. <laughs> Every Cardinals press conference. Right. Ollie. That's the show, my friend. It's a good one. It's a good one. Please, please get in touch with us because our shows are only as good as the the audience interaction we get. You can hit us up with anything, whether it's a question or an idea for a game show that you'd like us to play or random thoughts you want to share that we can then vibe off. mcfquestions at gmail.com. You can find Ollie on Twitter at Ollie Conley. You can find me at the underscore Tommy underscore more. And... We will be with you every week, slotting into the Friday slot. This one might not go out on the Friday slot, but we're going to slot into that each week, get that cadence going here on Gridiron, and we'll be with you all season. And hopefully, you'll be with us for the journey. So, it's goodbye from Ollie. Goodbye. Goodbye from me. Have yourselves a great weekend.